Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Now, this is the kind of movies we're going to make here, okay? Welcome back, everybody. Excited to have you back. As promised, this is our very first What Are You Doing During Quarantine episode. Yeah. Uh, And we could not be more excited about it, actually. I'm pretty sure our next few episodes are going to be some of our best in terms of content that we're (laughs) going to share with you all. So just prepare yourself for that. Um, And most interesting in terms of layout and setup. Yeah. This is going to be a really big experiment over the next few weeks. Exactly. We're going to tell you what we're doing today in a moment, but I think what's really important that we do is introduce our guest star because guys, you're welcome. We've brought back the guest star. <laughs> it started with my mom and my husband and now mm-hmm. we've expanded it. So you're welcome. Uh, so Dave, welcome to Showstoppers, dude. Welcome, hey, buddy. Thank, thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I'll tell you what, uh, I didn't know who the previous guests were and now yeah. that I know... <laughs> There are some big shoes to fill. Yeah, you should be freaking out. Mom and mom and husband. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm just just the just the guy. So just we'll, Dave. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. No, I think well, like you're up if for a great my time is an indication, I would I think we're gonna be a lot more accommodating to you and more uh conciliatory to you, Dave, than we would actual personal family members because you can't like like I I, I can get mad at family. I'm not gonna get mad at a friend. You know, that's true. That's true. Well, I appreciate uh, the the lighter version of the gauntlet. Absolutely. <laughs> I also think when we were recording with Jason and my mom, it was sort of like if they didn't talk, we were like, OK, we'll just talk. We'll keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're going to we're going to let you talk. So I think that will also help. Yeah. There were some times that episode where I would like rephrase something or like be in the middle of a sentence and be like, oh, uh, hold on a second. Hey, Mary and Jason, what do you think of this exact thing we're talking about right now? <laughs> exactly. Would you like to speak on this thing? <laughs> it's true. Uh, but we're super excited to have you, Dave. Uh, do you want to introduce what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, we're, go- we're going to be talking about a little something that has made me much dumber <laughs> over the last couple of weeks and has killed dozens, if not uh, hundreds of the brain cells that I have. Um, and that's the Tiger King. Yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> This is our most zeitgeisty episode. This is the the thing that has swept the entire world up in its way. Yeah, it was like, everybody go stay in your homes. And then Netflix appropriately released this documentary that now everybody has consumed. You got to hand it to the streaming services these last couple of weeks because they've really, really capitalized on the misfortune of the entire planet. They are really turning (laughs) a buck um, uh, in light of all the tragedy around the world. Good for you. Yeah, this... This seems to be a real winner for sure. Like Netflix really timed this nicely. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves if this is if this is on the docket, but I did hear that there's even going to be a bonus episode that's yes. either currently being shot or it's been shot. And it sounds uh, like it's been shot. And that news came from biggest piece of shit on earth, Jeff Lowe. I don't mean to like, like, <laughs> like ruin or like spoil my my bet on that. But yeah, there apparently is another episode forthcoming. So rest assured, either we'll have Dave back on because he is the, the king of Tiger King. This was his choice uh, to type that loose in. Um, but I, I am very excited to have another episode of this show in my life soon. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the best news I heard maybe all week, perhaps, yeah. is that we were we were not done with Tiger King. Uh, but really, how could we ever be done with Tiger no, King? No, we can't. <laughs> Impossible. Uh, but before we dive too far in, guys, how's your quarantine been? Like, what's what you been up to? Oh, boy. <laughs> Besides watching Tiger King. Yeah, well, yeah, not enough. I would say, like, Tiger King is something that I just binge-watched yesterday. I watched it all in one go, so that was my big day there. But, like, really, a lot of TV, 
a lot of Animal Crossing, and uh, people <laughs> listening out there can expect our Animal Crossing episode to come out within the next week or so. We have a lot planned for that. Um, yep. But tr- trying to get my iron nuggets up, learning how to fish, um, <laughs> building shops, uh, inviting neighbors into the into the island, and then like trying to slow down and take time to make a ritual out of very small things. Like breakfast and dinner have been big deals for the last couple of weeks. Um, just picking something to make and slowing down and making the hell out of it has been kind of kind of delightful. It's nice to slow down and have the time to do that. That's awesome. Good for you. That sounds great, wow. though. Like super chill animal. Cro- the animal crossing <laughs> music alone is just yes. so, so relaxing. Dave, Absolutely. what about you? Uh, <clears throat> similar to Corey, lots of food. Uh, I made a <laughs> I made a lasagna uh, about a week or so ago, and it was Attaboy. delicious. It's definitely surprising how good it was. Um, lots of snacking. Yeah. But uh, other than that, going for going for a run, trying to stay as healthy as possible, avoiding people. I think I've become as as I've seen more people, I've become more angry at the general population <laughs> as well, uh-huh. yep. because uh-huh. most people uh, are not are not social distancing. And nope. as I run past them and basically run in the other direction, uh, there are lots of people out there that are together. So, yeah, my neighborhood uh, much the same know. way. Yeah, it, my neighborhood social structure is unbroken. Yeah, I, I, I see people out all the time and they are Absolutely. out in groups. And I'm like, dudes, you know, this is not cool. <laughs> We're all trying to avoid this thing. It's so unfortunate. Um, but I I selfishly asked that question because I'm really excited to share with you guys the really uh, maybe embarrassing thing that's happened to me over the last oh, few let's days. Let's hear it, bud. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Corey, I didn't tell you this because I was super okay. excited to tell you on air. So I, uh, I the encourage other night- you never to tell me good stuff when it could be recorded and we can uh, turn a buck over it. Okay, great. So <laughs> um, the other day we were on a WebEx call with our family. Uh, actually, I think it was some friends in the evening. And it was like an hour and a half long call. And we get to the end of the call and I had to pee so bad. So I went from my kitchen table in a full-on sprint to uh-huh. the bathroom. But when I get to the doorframe, my pinky toe decides that it doesn't want to go into the bathroom. No. So <laughs> I clip my entire pink, like half of my foot, that is my pinky toe on the doorframe. Oh, oh. And uh, it was very painful. And oh, I Jesus was like, Christ. something is not right. First of all, I no longer have to pee. Uh, and I okay, am sure. in intense amounts of pain. Uh, so I give it the night and it's, even more painful the next day. Like I can't put any weight on my foot at all. Did you break your toe, Jesse? I'm like, oh shit, I broke my fucking toe. So I called the telemedicine thing and they kept trying to ask me, do you have a fever? Do you have a cough? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, I have none of those things. I have hurt my toe and I need advice. I understand why you're asking, but it's just foot stuff today, guys. (laughs) And I get to the actual doctor and he does the same thing. Do you have a cough? Do you have a fever? And I was like, no, I just want to ask you about my toe. And so at this point, I have this gnarly bruise on my foot. And he's like, okay, this was Saturday. He goes, you know, give it till Monday. And if it's still hurting on Monday, you got to go to the doctor. So I woke up this morning and it still hurt. So luckily I have a podiatrist and my podiatrist is like in his own office in an apartment building. So he's not, oh, uh, he doesn't have a, which doesn't work in a hospital or a medical center. I was so grateful that I had just seen him and I was like, Hey doc, uh, remember me. Um, and he was like, <laughs> Do you want to share the story of what happened last time you met with your podiatrist? No, no, don't, don't a, worry about it. No. <laughs> I mean, I was going to tell you, but I'll hold it for the next okay, time. That's fine. Um, but it's the gnarliest <laughs> shit you've ever heard in your life. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, and so the doctor promptly took the x-ray and promptly discovered I have a ginormous fracture in the bone below my pinky toe. Uh, (laughs) and it is like, it's a clean break guys. Like I've never broken a bone in my body, but this is the cleanest break I've ever had. (laughs) So I have the most fashionable boot you can imagine. Uh, on my foot right now, and I have to stay off of it for five weeks. So, oh, wow. oh Jesus, Jesse! They gave yeah. you a boot. 
Oh, yeah. I have a boot and I have it's all like bandaged up and they want me to come back once a week. And I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, oh. I'm, I will rewrap my own foot. <laughs> Thank you wow. very much. Um, but yeah, it's like the it's not the toe itself. It's the, the bone like right below the one in between the metatarsal and the toe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, the first words were, wow, you really did a number on that one. I was like, Ooh. oh, good. <laughs> uh, so that's my fun, embarrassing story that I've been dealing with the last three days. And we learned a valuable lesson. Like, that's another that's another vote for don't hold it in. Just go. <laughs> it's so true. Just go to Just the bathroom. Go. Jesse, that's a Most nightmare. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> Thanks, bud. I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> I've had this thought in my head recurring, like since we've been kind of on lockdown, on quarantine, that I've been extra physically careful with everything. I've not like, uh, like I've always taken stairs more slowly, got around corners more slowly. Cause the thought occurred to me, like on day one of lockdown, like if anything were to happen now, the odds are slim, but this is the worst possible time for any yep. other health needs whatsoever. So I like, uh, this is not like uh, a jab at you, buddy. I'm so sorry that uh, you had to be the one to absorb that from karma today. Yeah, I will take the jab, man. I broke my freaking pinky toe. It's pretty <laughs> like, bad, That's man. ridiculous. It's it's on the lamer side of bones you could possibly break, but I, th I still think it's pretty badass. Yeah, of thanks, bud. Toes as well. Yeah. <laughs> the smallest. What are yeah, the it's, the least, it's the least broken toe you could possibly have. So that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm glad I won the lottery on that one. <laughs> well, now that we've shared a little bit about how yeah. we're keeping busy, <laughs> I think we should get into it, dudes. Let's yeah, let's, let's go. I I I don't think I've ever been more excited. Like Gogglebox aside, uh, which I was extremely psyched for on like episode one, I think, or two. Um, I've never been more excited to talk about a media property. So um Jesse, do you want to take us through it? Because uh, sure. I can. Would you prefer that I did? You should probably do it. Okay, you're so much better at to. these things than me. Well, okay. Uh, we'll we'll find out. It's always like an episode by episode basis on whether or not I can do this. But um, Tiger King is a documentary series that aired for seven episodes on Netflix. Currently available for streaming now. The odds that you have not seen this are pretty slim. Um, it feels like the entire world's population all sat down and agreed to watch this thing at the same time. Um, big heads up, however, like every episode, if you have not, we cannot. We can't oversell how many spoilers there will be just in the normal course of our conversation. This entire property is based on being extremely surprising and dense and twisty and turny. So if you have not seen it, please pause, come back, um, but consider yourself fair warned. So Tiger King is the story of Joe Exotic, but really... It's the story of big cat rescue and display throughout the United States. It's the story of three cults all centered around charismatic leaders who were either run rescues for big cats or really sketchy zoos where you can actually walk in and handle cats that were just newly born from their mother. It's the story of capitalism to an extent. It's the story of murder and revenge and anger. Um, it is an enormous, beautiful story. But let's start with our main character, Joe Exotic. Uh, runs the GW Zoo, or ran, it should be said, in Oklahoma <laughs> uh, until very recently. And he became the subject of kind of national news um, before the end of his story. Um, he was on, he was featured on the John Oliver show on HBO. He was featured on national news as a potential presidential candidate during the 2016 election. He's a deeply fascinating oddball character, but he is where our story rests. Oh my was god, right? his name is Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. Yeah, well, his name is not it... Joe Exotic. His name is Joe something or else. And his name changes four or five times throughout the story because he keeps getting married. Oh my god. <laughs> He's like just hearing you describe it, my whole being was like cringing the entire time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh my god. Yep. Uh, oh, yep. <laughs> you just so made Dave, me want to go back through and rewatch the whole thing by describing I, it. Like every everyone should, and I believe everyone will. This is going to be a, like a deeply rewatchable thing. I think. Um, I was I was saying to Jesse yesterday. They're just like big picture stuff. It's like I said. It's like God told them where to put the camera, because mm -hmm. it 
throughout the entire story, you just realize that having chosen Joe Exotic to focus a documentary on, he just happened to be at the crux of this vortex of shitheads. Um, <laughs> like the worst people on earth are in this show and they are all somehow tangentially related to the big cat trade, uh, basically the big cat cartel. It's an incredible stroke of luck for a documentary feature to find this subject. Uh, and every character that comes on screen, I feel like I would have been perfectly happy to just let the camera follow them as they live the rest of their lives. I was fascinated by every human being on this show. But Dave, this yeah. was your choice, buddy. Why I, Why was Tiger King the thing you wanted to talk about? I, I you know, the, I think about the phrase or the saying that lightning, what is it? Lightning doesn't strike twice. Well, lightning That's struck it. about eight times. That's exactly for right. For this, this train wreck of a of a butte to happen absolutely I think, it's, I think it's in the first episode when we learn that the i guess the original intention of this documentary was supposed to be something along the lines of uh about reptiles and then right the, like a discovery the, channel show sure like full on discovery yeah, channel. the documentarian i can't recall his oh his name is eric uh over here is someone who says hey i got this big cat and he just stumbles on this this world, this underworld of craziness. And five years later, this golden miniseries uh, pops out is pretty incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so it's just so good. And there's so many questions you ask yourself throughout, like, how did that happen? And, and one of the things that I think is sort of the big conflictors of this show uh, or is at odds throughout the entire thing is this relationship between Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic. That's right. Uh, so I have a few questions about that. So first of Please. all, did Carol kill her husband? <laughs> Let's 100%. Discuss. Yes, absolutely. Case closed. Okay. Okay. Dave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, <laughs> I, I think we have to say yes. Um, but I do have a little bit of doubt. I'll be honest with okay. you. I do have a little bit of doubt because, I mean, is it possible that she fed him to the tigers with like nobody knowing? I don't well, know. I think that's that's the thing that that gets me is the the feeding to the tigers can't be plausible because they even said that in the documentary, right? Like, uh, if you fed someone to a tiger, there would be something left. Like, you would have some sort of evidence there. Well, the lawyer uh, said that. Uh, the lawyer said that, yes. However, uh, it does cut to Joe Exotic, who says, and if there is an expert on tiger digestion in the world better than him, I don't know him. Um, he says their stomachs are so ex so acidic that when we feed them entire animals, like entire goats and things, they don't shit bones. There is nothing left over. Like their, their, their digestion is set up to completely obliterate all physical matter mm -hmm. they eat. And I don't want to get like too caught into like the, this particular topic because there's so much else to talk about, but like Joe was of the opinion and unreliable narrator though he is, um, that tigers could completely erase and subtract a human being from existence. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Jesse, what's Corey, your case for Carol? Yeah, what, what, so what's your I, case? I, I, I a thousand percent think that she killed her husband. Yes. Like, there's not a, an ounce of doubt in my mind that she killed her husband. Yep. Uh, that woman seems crazy to me. But <laughs> I do think that there is there is a theory, and I can't remember if you and I were talking about this, Corey. But like, the theory is like that she is actually in cahoots with her husband, and he has just made himself disappear, and they're sharing the profit of the the death of her husband, which I thought was an interesting theory. It's a compelling uh, theory, yeah. But I I don't believe it. I just don't no. think she's that smart. I don't think any of them are that smart. I, there, there is not a truly smart person in the show, but I mean, I, with, in the case of Carol Baskin, um, you gotta, you gotta just look at the scoreboard with her, honestly, because while she is not a generous, kind person, she might be one of the most evil people I've ever seen on TV. She is a, she is a slave master, literally. Um, mm -hmm. she, she got away with it.
She is she currently totally running a multi-million dollar business out of Florida where she has volunteers work uh, something like 60, 65 labor hours a week for no money whatsoever and gets to profit off the idea that she is a rescuer of animals when her zoo is uh, like indistinguishable from any other wildcat zoo that we see throughout the entire show. Um, yeah, we were we were talking about like who is the bigger criminal here? Is it uh, Carol or is it Joe or is it Doc Antle? Like who is the criminal? Uh, the, I think yeah. they're all criminals. But There's not a single I, good person in this movie, man. This is like the hateful hate. Like, everyone's a piece of shit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yep. like li- picking the lesser of two evils. All of these people are awful. Uh, you can't say that there's a reason why Joe is in jail and not Carol. You know, there's yeah. just not a, an argument for that. Just happened. The, cra- the crazy thing is that between Joe and Carol, they make Doc Antle look normal. Yes, that's yes. true. Because Doc's when able to come sh- out at the very end and say, "Well, they were stupid. I, I know exactly how you could have gotten away with it. I never would have paid someone to pay to someone to kill somebody." And Doc Antle <laughs> is an actual monster. Doc Antle has a sex cult in Florida. He's an actual doctor of musical science. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> And he was he know, was gifted. Yeah, go ahead. He also has like six wives. Yeah. Did you read this? Like he I thought that was just a Joe Exotic thing. But no, apparently no. this is a thing amongst tiger cat owner <laughs> yes. people. That, they that they're all, all polyamorous and they're all perverts. Yeah, absolutely. Yes such predators it's madness it's like uh, i was reading this article and it talks about how all of um his wives are obviously the people that were working on his staff and obviously we saw that play out a little bit in the documentary about how uh he for lack of a better way to put it sexually abuses them uh and then manipulates them into uh presumably becoming his wives at that point so yeah uh it's fascinating well yeah doc antle uh groomed teenage girls into a sexual relationship and then essentially uh scientology them in that he <laughs> cut off all of their social ties to the outside world created a, a class strata inside of his zoo that they would uh like try to achieve and it speaks to this weird lure that keeps popping up throughout the entire documentary of people fucking love big cats People will do anything to get near a baby tiger. And you see it over and over again through all seven episodes of like, uh, Jeff Lowe will uh, take a crate full or a suitcase full of baby tigers up to Mm -hmm. a a hotel room in Vegas and just, uh, just get 20 girlfriends off the fact that people just want to be close to these cats. And I don't understand what the lure is because cats are cool. But you see people just become entranced and hypnotized yes. by the, the prospect of this. And they'll, they, their lives are completely derailed by the fact that they just need to be around these charismatic leaders who have power and dominion over the big cats. So, Dave, have you, have you pet a big cat in either cub form or grown form? I'm going to have to say no. I, I don't think I have. Um, I've definitely been to a number of zoos. Sure. But I don't I don't want to get close to an animal like that because sure. they're they're meant to eat me. And I yeah. don't care if it's I don't care if it's small, if it's on land or if it's in the water, if it's a big shark, small shark, big cat, small cat. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get close to it because I don't want to I don't want to lose a digit. I don't want to lose a, a small toe. <laughs> uh, Too soon, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> real. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy to um, watch it on television or, or see them from a distance. But I think that's I, I agree, Corey. I don't see the lore in wanting to pet pet these these things. Let them be. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to take a slightly different take here because I totally see the lore. Like I would definitely want to pet a fully grown tiger. Like how cool would that be? But I would need assurance that nothing would happen to me. Um, now that said, when I was younger, we had this furniture store in Denver called American Furniture Warehouse, which is totally bizarre. I know, but this guy, every commercial, the owner of American Furniture Warehouse would come on his commercial with all of these tigers. So he was Excellent. definitely playing into this. And we went to American Furniture Warehouse uh-huh. to play uh-huh. with baby cub tigers. And seeing this documentary, it's like, that is 
mortifying because yeah. you have to imagine that the same things were happening in wherever he was breeding his tigers or getting them from. Um, and so it, it's awful to think about. And knowing the background of these documentaries, the lore yeah. is completely lost, you know? And I think the thing I don't understand about the the sort of attraction of these tigers and wanting to pet them is how you lose all morality yeah. once you do. So for example, the girls that did come to the hotel room that wanted to play with the tigers, then were also very willing to sleep with Rob Lowe or whatever, Jeff Lowe. Jeff Rob Lowe. <laughs> Was Rob Lowe there too? <laughs> no. Oh, they did involve a lot of celebrities, but there, there have been some celebrities that pet baby tigers. I'm certain of it. Of course, Shaq and what's his face oh, well, was right. in the video. That's right. But, Shaq was in this. Mike yeah. Tyson also owned many tigers when yes, he, he was in the prime of his career. Absolutely. And he has since come out and said, I totally do not condone this. I totally no. regret having them when I had them or, or I now regret having them, yeah. uh, knowing more information. But uh, and now he so cares I for pigeons on rooftops. Now he's just like a caretaker for <laughs> pigeons in New York. No joke. Great. Yeah. We, we need more of those probably in New York. Um, so I think I, I understand the lore, but I don't understand the loss of morality once you're, once you're petting these tigers. Like they're well, not, really they don't have magical question, powers. Well, yeah. Well, I think put, like, go ahead, Dave. I, I want to put my morality, morality to the side for a second and walk back my statement from a couple moments ago, just a bit, because uh -huh. I don't see the lore in petting them. But if sure. you told me I could, I could ride one, I would want to sure. do that. If I could, Absolutely. if I could get on the back of a tiger and strap in and and go for a run while that thing is in full stride, that is far more appealing to me than than me petting it. That's totally badass too. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> that like, would be this pretty would be great. The, this would be the perfect time to run through the streets of New York on the back <laughs> of the tiger. It's <laughs> 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 too good. So yeah, I yeah, it's such a weird thing. I I have to say now though, I would never voluntarily do this. Like I've, no. it's totally changed perspective on that. So yeah, even like when you see the the best examples of tigers being cared for, it's still in like tiny little wire chicken wire cages and like overgrown grass and the food supply is another matter entirely. Um, but it raised an interesting point to me, and I kept thinking about this episode to episode. The people that work at these zoos, the people that mm -hmm. essentially um, put their lives on pause and live at these zoos and work for either no money or like $130 a week and subsist entirely on expired meat from a Walmart shipment. Um, <laughs> were these people morally compromised before they started the job? Yes. Or, or did it happen to them? But I, I think the real compromise you see is that these people generally had nowhere else to go. They're a drifter right. like Alan or they're the people at GW Zoo who were already kind of like aimless and wandering and had like no money to speak of. And here was a place where they felt a sense of power, probably um, getting to be the people that marshal these these killing machines. Um, they got to be around this person who was very charismatic, be it Doc Antle or Joe or whoever. They just like felt a sense of awe from. But this cast of characters that work there are extraordinarily fascinating to the extent that one of maybe my favorite person on the entire series, Saf from the GW Zoo, the girl who got her arm bit off and oh, came yeah, back. Yeah, I was just going to talk again. about her. She's still good. Wild shit. She's maybe the nicest person that's portrayed in the entire series. She's the only person I, I really don't have anything against besides the baseline fact that you shouldn't be working at a place that does this to animals and you're it's kind of a blood trade. But with that very well, low bar, Saf is maybe the best person in this entire series. Yes. First of all, Dave, I think you need to describe what happens when Saf's arm gets oh, not off by the tiger. <laughs> what? I mean, walk us through it, Dave. So I, I had I had to go back and rewatch this yesterday because <laughs> it's it's tragic. I think there's a few things at play. the The first thing that's shocking is yes. that after this all happens, okay, well. As she's at the uh, at the hospital, after it all happens, she basically says, "Fuck it, cut it off." Yeah, yes. which is yeah, bananas. incredible. You're incredible. like, I could have this hand that I've had all of my life, and I wrote my name with yesterday, but I got to work to fix this for two years. Yeah, fuck it, 
Cut it off. Oh my god. Just People are crazy. given the choice a lot. Like, you'll hear stories that from time to time. I'm not sure what exactly her logic was. Um, it could have been that, like, hey, I make $130 a week. I live off expired bologna. I probably can't afford <laughs> to have, like, a, a surgery every couple months for the next several years of my life. And I just, like, it's easier for me to get back to the show. I'm not sure what it was, but it's that's that, that happens in the space of two minutes in the show. And then we're off to the next thing. That's the kind of show this is where it's we don't wild. spend very much time with the person having lost their limb and gone back to the job I, site the next week. And I well, love the I fact that, that... Oh, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. I love the fact that as it's happening, a couple, a couple additional pieces happen. Uh, Joe Exotic feels that it's necessary for him to run and put the, to put the, uh, <laughs> the EMS bomber on Absolutely. immediately. I'm so glad like, you caught that, Dave. That's my favorite, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, Something happens. I'm going to put this bomber jacket on and I'm going <laughs> to absorb all of the knowledge and all of the power uh-huh, of the EMS uh-huh. and the paramedics that Absolutely. might come. And yeah, being a doctor is just a vibe, dude. If you pick up on the yeah. vibe, you can pretty much help people out. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes out into like the area where everyone's got tickets. He's like, I'm going to tell you this before you hear it on the news. Someone got their arm bit clean off about an hour ago. <laughs> Let me offer you a rain check or your money back. And I'm like, oh, this like this seems like it's not the first time that this has happened. It seems no, like he was pretty not. matter of fact with that happening. And then yeah, I was it's it's such an incredible moment. Like uh, you're like, what the heck is happening? Imagine being in that like guest or the, the gift shop area and this dude yeah. comes in and tells you that one of the employees got their arm chewed clean off. Like yeah. what do you even do at that point? Well you consider I'm the fact that I'm gonna get my money back. I'm not going to I would too. another day. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the fireworks factory, buddy. If you're telling me that there's a chance someone gets mauled in front of me and I'm going to I'm gonna give my ticket back to you, I'm never going to come back. Come on. No, no, no. You go back. You go back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. Her story in particular, because she she immediately then goes back to work, you know, like the next week or something. Yeah. She said she was back at work. As soon as yeah. she could be back, she was back there. And she a thousand percent didn't blame the tigers and Joe Exotic didn't blame the tigers on her behalf as well, uh, which was really interesting. And he kept you see saying, that- which was interesting. Nobody like even after when people are asking what to do, he said, go do chores, be safe. Don't put your hands in the cage. It was almost uh-huh. like he was like blaming or like there was undertones of she screwed up by putting her hand in the cage and maybe she did we didn't see that or hear that but there was definitely i think there was a point that um they were trying to make uh with his character that he was saying that you know um don't put your hand in the cage I think he even said don't be stupid and put your hand in the cage like those were his words yes uh it's kind of madness. But then what I appreciate about Saf is she's also like, I don't blame the tigers, dude. It wasn't their fault. And no. that happens a lot with like shark attack victims and things like that, too. I'm a big shark fan, so I would a thousand percent swim with sharks just uh-huh. for the record. Um, but uh, she she is totally willing to go back and continue to work with these creatures, which I would say I would probably have a hard time doing. Like, I, I don't know if I would. <laughs> commit to going back at that point i I can't say i would either but i want to agree with staff and say that she's completely right it is not the tiger's fault like if you put yourself in a position Mm. to traffic killing machines and then uh, like (laughs) and then then put your hand in the in the fucking cage that's not the tiger's fault you work with tigers yeah that's that's your fault because again you work with tigers (laughs) you put your hand in a tiger cage bud yeah do you uh, so, do you guys think that the Joe Joe Exotic aside, you know, people like Saf or maybe some of the other, you know, some of the man like John Ranke and them, do yeah. you believe that they that they feel what they were doing was wrong? I think, like for example, I think Joe, Joe Exotic is smart enough or dumb enough to know what he was doing is wrong at a certain level, but some of those other guys uh, who worked work there do you think that they also felt that way or do you think that they they felt like they were they were helping the animals and doing the right thing i think think there's a point in the documentary where you see a transition who's the guy who lost both of his legs not to tigers but (laughs) what's his name is that's john ranke 
So that's what you were talking about, Dave. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a point where you see him transition into, you know, what I was doing was really important work to, holy shit, like what I was doing was was probably pretty madness, you know? I think you see it in his body language. You see it in the way he's talking about it. Um, So I don't know if that's the case for all of them, but I Mm -hmm. definitely think it's the case for some. Yeah, you you see a, a huge growth pattern with all of the employees at GW Zoo because uh, suffice it to say, GW Zoo doesn't exist any longer. Uh, the Winwood Zoo still does. They are, they are open <laughs> for business currently in Oklahoma, uh, just behind the casino. Um, but yeah, Corey, you almost went, no. I, I almost went. Yeah, I, yeah. For the audience at home, I am from Oklahoma, and we we went as far an ex of mine and I uh, to price tickets on Joe Exotic's website and and look for a day to go. It it just didn't work out. We just couldn't make it. So we we almost went to Joe's Zoo uh, years and years ago. But as for the like the complicity and the the guilt of these people. I think this is like, it's a cult. Like I keep saying yeah. it, but it's, it's the same thing. Totally. And uh, cult members, it's almost worse if you are smart because smart people can convince themselves of almost anything. Um, mm-hmm. And if you are in a position where you have to morally reckon with the, the ethics of your profession, um, if you're smart enough to say no, well, if it's, if it's not me, it's going to be somebody else. And at least I'm here to, to, to do my good work and make sure I take care of the animals as good as possible. Then there's a circular logic to that. And you can convince yourself of almost anything, but it right. was, I think you see that like most acutely in, in Joe Exotics husbands yes, because there's absolutely. more than one um yeah, three. he he yeah he manipulates these boys essentially they're teenage boys Same and shit. i think one yep. of the the ways that he does it is through drugs right he clearly yeah. introduces that or they've already been introduced to that um like the guy he marries with the ponytail and the bad teeth in the video he oh, did John. not have yeah. John, he did not have those bad teeth in the beginning of his relationship with joe oh that's meth it mouth was, yeah well, exactly. It was cemented by this addiction to drugs that presumably Joe Exotic introduced him to uh, and then continued to um, manipulate him uh, and and continue their relationship together and also probably convince him that another husband was a good idea, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you see this dude kill himself, which is I think is one of the most jarring moments of the whole uh, I can't believe that's in there. It's an accidental suicide that they sort of show on television. It's it's bizarre, yeah, it's and you have to you have to think that the guy, so the the campaign manager, so Joshua Sidebar, Dial, yeah, yeah uh, Sidebar, Joe Exotic runs for what? President, President governor, and then governor. Yeah, yes, and he <laughs> gets nineteen percent of the freaking vote in Oklahoma yeah. for governor. Yeah. He I he mean, made a splash. Yeah, hands down, wow. bro. Like absurd that's uh-huh. like what elizabeth warren got in the in the entire you know uh, democratic campaign you know right. you have to give him some credit here he he campaigned he ran a hell um, of a campaign yeah <laughs> but this this guy who's his campaign manager is arguably maybe one of the i put it in air quotes that you can't see the smarter ones perhaps no he's uh, a libertarian he's dumb as shit uh, go on go ahead <laughs> <laughs> but he sees this dude like accidentally presumably or do we yeah. think it was accidental it accidental because he was say like the, uh, the travis who uh the, the departed um was fucking around with a gun and saying you know this can't actually shoot without a clip inside of it and he just goes to fuck around with it and shoots himself in the head oh god i think it's a senseless accident the part that the documentary doesn't go into depth uh, too much depth on is probably the drug addiction that was happening yeah. there. And, yeah. and equally as important as the addiction, the person who is throttling what the husbands or whoever it is that's addicted yeah. to whatever, uh, to whatever drugs are on, which is likely Joe exotic. He's probably getting and giving and doing all that. So you have these young kids who might come in with an addiction or might not come in with addiction, but you keep them in this haze and you keep them in this Mm -hmm. fog. And to Corey's point about it being a cult, that's exactly it. You keep people in this constant state of confusion or belief. And when people don't have what they need, you are then the one to give it to them. So you build that confidence and that trust and say, okay, this person is helping me. They're saving me. They're getting me the, they're getting me the meth that I need, or they're getting me the weed yep. that I need. And, you know, you're in that constant state. 
there's zero chance that when poor poor Travis shoots himself in, I think the head. Um, yeah. Yes. You no, know, he's he's definitely high, um, and and it's a shame because he's probably young enough or dumb enough to not know that that whole situation was was avoidable. Yeah. And it and yeah. it's such a deeply strange one as well in that Joe. They, I, I agree, Dave, with you, what you said about the, them glossing over the entire, like, Svengali nature of Joe Exotic at the, at the zoo. Um, but it's another deeply strange wrinkle to the story that neither of these men were homosexual. Um, yes. That and they was really the interesting. Very interesting. Um, because these men, while not attracted to Joe, strictly speaking, and while they were sexually active with every woman they can get their hands on throughout their tenure at the zoo, um, were still willing to stay really close to this man and probably like love this man in whatever way they're, they're capable of one because of the constant supply of drugs. And secondly, because he took away all of their agency to be decision makers mm -hmm. for themselves. Mm -hmm. Fascinating stuff that would, it would like transcend their, their desire even for a normal relationship. Like I could try my luck on the outsides, but like I, I can go to my hamster wheel and press the, the food button at the certain time every day. And I know food's going to be delivered to me. Um, real, real good stuff. Yeah, that I mean, we could talk all day about that dynamic alone. You know, getting oh. people to eat the bad meat off a Walmart truck alone mm -hmm. is is signs the signs that Brutal. something is something is amiss here, right? It's one thing to get the tigers to eat it; it's another to chop it up and put it on a pizza and call it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, it's a pretty pretty uh, effed up situation there. Uh, but speaking of, uh, yeah. <laughs> it gets even worse because you see this a little bit with the husbands. Joe, like, hands off ownership of the zoo to, is it John? John, husband Jeff number Lowe. one? Oh, yeah. Jeff. Sorry, yes. I, I, are we ready to get into the Jeff Lowe conversation, the, uh, the yeah, business sure. conversation? But yeah. he first hands off his business to his husband. Um, yes. You know, I think just to try and alleviate some stressors on himself. And then, mm -hmm. and he, of course, the husband has no idea what he's probably getting himself into. And then power transitions over to Jeff Lowe. Yeah. Um, who, as Corey would describe it, is the biggest piece of shit alive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, like, well, he's, a business, he's a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's how he's labeled on IMDb. <laughs> he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, no, Jeff Lowe is a really fascinating specimen because um, whereas um, Carol uh, has this wide-eyed, bug nuts, weird energy that makes her very kind of compelling on screen. And Joe Exotic, of course, is just like millions of these fascinating ticks and habits and really, really draws you in and is a compelling person. Jeff Lowe is just a piece of shit. Like not, he is not fun to listen to. He has nothing of interest to say to anybody. He just wants to run a tiger cartel, um, sleep around with his wife in Vegas, um, have truly abominable fashion. Um, I've never, I, I've never liked a person less on screen than Jeff Lowe. He's the villain of the movie for me. I have to disagree with Corey. On his Go fashion, ahead. there's nothing better <laughs> than My man the flat bill with a do rag and an Oakley cap. <laughs> nothing better. Just, just um, you want to just reach in and say, "Hey, be bald, man. It's cool. You're old now." <laughs> he, I think the I think the reporter says this in the documentary. He is a highly skilled con man, and yeah, that's what he is. It almost reminded me a little bit of of like the mafia or the mob. Like this this guy smelled blood. Like he yes, knew he this business was failing. He knew that th this there was turmoil and he swoops in. And that moment when he overhears or claims to have overheard um, Joe on the phone with the lawyers and or the mediator and Carol Baskin, and he just berates them on the phone. Yeah. And you could see Joe's heart melt and his eyes like he fell in White love with it. Yes. yes, he did. Absolutely. And it was insane. And as much as, you know, as Joe Exotic is this charismatic cult leader, Jeff Lowe is as good or better because in this from one second to the next, he had someone who's as skilled as him eating out of the palm of his hand and That's that exactly was a, right. it was a wrap from there. 
And he saw power. Joe saw power. And this movie is nothing if not a series of people latching onto or trying to assert power over other people. And when Joe saw like, well, that is a leverage I've never felt before. I am, I, I'm only ever me and I can't talk to people that way because I'm just Joe Exotic. Um, it, it is fascinating to watch that power dynamic, like construct its rafters in real time in that conversation. It's so cool. It's madness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this guy, so so Jeff Lowe, okay, he comes in, he takes over, he has his little henchmen that come in and help him, Alan Glover. Yeah. I think we need to like walk people through <laughs> this whole I'm going to kill Carol Baskin situation. Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> so what happens, Corey? Tell us. Okay, so, uh, well, Carol Baskin is someone, and I, I, I do want to do a Carol Baskin block uh, whenever we can, because I think she's kind of been sprinkled throughout. But uh, Carol Baskin is the arch nemesis of Joe Exotic. She is the yin to his yang. Um, they are two peas in a pod, uh, but they sell themselves differently. Both of them are zoo owners. Both of them profit off of the lives and deaths of big cats that should not be imprisoned. But Carol sells herself as a uh, PETA ally and an animal rescuer. Uh, as such, Carol uh, has been has spent about a decade tried to introduce, and I can't remember the name of the bill, but like the Big Cat Protection Act, I think it's called, um, which would, of course, endanger Joe's business and not at all Carol's because she can sell herself as a refuge, uh, as a rescue uh, element. Um, so Joe spends, it seems hours a day obsessively creating death threat videos and really <laughs> contrived like little one act plays where he can put her face on a dummy and blow it up with thermite. Um, oh my God. He's, <laughs> he's so obsessed bad. with it. He's, he's in love with Carol. Like she yes, is his animate. She is his reason for being. Um, we all need a reason to get up in the morning. And Carol is that to Joe. That spite animates him and it, it makes him make every decision throughout his day. So Joe, um, feeling the loss of power, given that uh, Jeff Lowe is actually able to wrest power away from him and take control and ownership of the zoo. Joe feeling like he's lost all of his well, everything that made him Joe Exotic, every power he's ever felt, and his status in the world, um, contrives a plan to hire someone to kill Carol Baskin. And this is where the drifter comes in. And the drifter is my favorite kind of character. Um, this particular <laughs> one is Alan Glover, um, a former, uh, like just, uh, a friend of Jeff Lowe's, kind of a transient guy that he was hired in to come run the zoo alongside Joe when they were at loggerheads the, ever since he got there. Um, Joe speaks with Alan Glover, seemingly because Alan doesn't have a place to go in the world and you find a drifter to do wet work um, to pay him what is supposed to be $5,000, but he can only scrounge up $3,000 on the day um, to drive out to Florida and kill carol by shooting her while she's on her daily bike ride probably live blogging on facebook about her animal <laughs> rescue sanctuary um oh, alan uh, <laughs> alan she's i i will watch that show i haven't taken the time to look on facebook to see if like i can watch any of the videos but i will today but alan does not go through with the plan he pockets the money he makes it does he make it outside of Oklahoma at any point? Does he make it to Florida? I don't know that he makes it. Well, he makes it as that far he as made the... it back home, I think, to the, uh, maybe oh, South, South Carolina. Carolina. But I think That's there was right. a debate if he even left uh, the state at all. Yes, and we'll, we will never know because I'm not sure we'll have access to Alan anytime in the future. Um, but he makes it as far as his local strip club and he says, I just started partying, man. So he drinks <laughs> and, he, and he does drugs and he enjoys his time at the strip club and, uh, the plan never actually comes together. But, uh, Jeff Lowe conspires at that point to take what he knows about that situation and, actually feed that information to the feds to get Joe gone from the zoo once and for all. Crazy. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. He, he, Joe Exotic is now in jail, just in yes, case you were, you missed that part in the documentary. <laughs> he is now in jail. It worked. Uh, yeah, it's, it's absurd. And mm -hmm. Carol, the other thing I think is interesting about Carol is Carol knows these people are trying to kill her, but she yeah. seems so like, chill about it she's like it's okay i've killed someone before i know uh -huh. how this goes yeah it's, you, you gotta you know the, the, exp the expression act like you've been here before 
Yeah. Like that, that's Carol to a T. Carol is not phased by this. Um, and it could be like the, like the calm chillness of a psychopath uh, during her interviews. Right. It could be that she just doesn't, this doesn't get her, uh, her radar up at all. Um, but yeah, Carol is free. Uh, Doc Antle is free. The rest of this enormous cast of characters currently is not in jail. And Joe Exotic is the person that is. So it raises the question, who is anybody guiltier than Joe Exotic? Should there be other people in jail? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, the, answer, the answer has to be yes to that question. So yeah. if you if you look at how Carol, uh, like she does the same thing. She yes. to, to push her agenda forward, she takes the baby kittens to the what are they like the Senate, the House, whoever she's yeah. talking to. And yeah totally wins them over because yeah. they're like, Oh, look at these cute cats. You know, of course they're going to get on board. That was uh, interesting. And, and they said it yeah. makes the, it makes the senators and Congress people complicit in the act. They can't yes. then come down and say, this is evil and should be banished because they just did it. And it's on camera. It's an incredible tactic. Yes. Fascinating. That's, Dave. that's exactly the way I like, I'm confused. It's problematic for me. I don't understand. And throughout Throughout watching this, I I was like, is there something I'm missing? Like, she is doing the exact same thing, yeah, but has branded it differently. That's right. To where we we are kind of like at odds. We go back and forth and say, well, is she doing the right thing? Is she a good person? Is she not a good person? And like every episode, you probably think about that like maybe once or twice. It's really interesting. But like at the end of the day, it's exactly the same thing that all these other guys are doing. And you know what? If someone, if I knew that at least one person, multiple people were out there uh, blowing my face up with dynamite, you know, uh -huh. and, and out to kill me, you're absolutely right. There is something really spooky that she doesn't care about that. Yeah, she's deaf. She's been there. She knows it. She's she's a murderer, and I've now convinced myself one hundred percent that she, that she's killed her husband. You're on the you're on the side of justice, buddy. You're on the right side of history, Dave. You're right. <laughs> Lock her up. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's definitely picking the lesser of two evils. You're so right, Dave. There's this like great moment where they talk about how much they feed their animals. They compare Carol and Joe, and Joe is clearly underfeeding his animals, but Carol yeah. is over here spending the right amount of money on on you know feeding her cats. And then you're thinking, hmm, well, does she treat her animals better? And maybe perhaps in the sanctuaries, she she treats them better. But the sheer act of having them there is yeah. the part that's problematic. And I think you see that very acutely at the end of the show when they have those statistics. And it's something like 10,000 tigers are in captivity or, or privately owned. And there are only 3,000 tigers or something of that nature in the actual wild. And I think yeah, that's the part where I, that's the part that makes you sick, really. And, and I think identifies that none of these people are right in that we are fighting to keep these animals in in nature and we have so many more triple or doubled of what's actually out there it's so yeah. sad <laughs> it's a yeah, bummer i don't i don't understand I, I i don't understand too and it very well could be and this was you know this was a documentary about a very small group of people in a very specific area with, yeah. which are clearly uh you know i'll go out on a limb and say uh not very educated but i i don't know if there is a, a similar market for you know, the very wealthy are they keep you know do the very mm -hmm. wealthy have you know 10 big cats in their <laughs> compound you know in vegas like i don't know ex like it seems like it's a big problem but right. like how like across how like how much you know like the, it's just really confusing yeah well the, the the economy is a really fascinating thing about this because it's either what you're suggesting in that there is this market created um by wealthy people who who are drawn in the same way that every employee of every zoo is drawn to the power of these big cats so it's either rich people are buying these things thus perpetuating the market or this market is solely based on 
this incestuous shallow gene pool of zoos and breeders simply selling to one another and offloading shipments, almost like tiger laundering, just to keep their zoos afloat and keep crowds coming in. Um, so it, it's one or the other. Yeah. And I, I like, I don't know enough about it. Uh, you know, but I like, I want to know more about it because it's, it's such an interesting thing. Like it's so, it's crazy. Like it's so crazy. Like just like these, these animals don't belong in anyone's zoo, regardless of how no. much money you have. But I think it's so interesting that they're landing in Oklahoma and Tampa and, right. and wherever Doc Antle is like, and, and the, the idea of power that, you know, that is at the root of all of this is just a really interesting thing. Well, they must feel like the people who own these people, they must feel a little like Noah or like God, like in some sure. way, right? Like they are shepherding and caring for these amazing creatures that not many people own or can own yeah. because they don't have the kind of courage or sensibility with animals that they do. You know, there is exactly right. probably like a rush there for them or the owners of these creatures uh, that don't belong to them in any way, you know, but. I, you know, I guess at the end of the day, you could make the same argument for dogs or, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a tough line, but sure. Yeah. Well, pets and children are all, go ahead, Dave. I, I think there's a piece to it, uh, like with unconditional love, you know, there's a, there's a bit, there's a bit in the documentary about Joe and his relationship with his parents. And uh, when, yeah. when he told them he was gay and some of the challenges they had with it and some of the fallout they had with, uh, with their relationship because of that and likely other things. And he talks about the love that he had, especially at the start. And you saw that love really deteriorate yes. throughout the documentary as money became the driver and mm -hmm. power became more of the driver, which was maybe a small part to that at the beginning. But I really think at, at the beginning of it and likely why people start doing something like this is the unconditional love from, you know, the tiger that's not going to talk back. And he says it in the documentary, too. Um, I think he does at least when you I feed the tiger, sounds like him. Yeah. Um, you know, when you feed the tiger, they, they don't care about all of these other things. All they care about is when you show up with that food, they love you. They want you, they need you. Yeah. And not, it's not an apples to apples comparison with, with dogs, but you know, why do we, why do we love dogs and, and domesticated animals? Because they show us love. You can have the yeah. worst day at work and you come in that dog, your baby, they don't care what happened at work. They're just happy you're home. So yeah. it's, you know, you're right. Where do you draw the line? Yeah. Well, it's and, reliable, and he, programmable, like validation from something that you were the caretaker of. Yeah, exactly. And he even says, you know, they were like, they were like emotional support animals to him. Like they, it's like the true example of what those animals probably mean to people is, you know, they provided a comfort to him in a time of serious turmoil and, you know, something nobody should ever have to go to go through is, you know, your parents disowning you and and uh, saying, I never I don't. What does he say? Like my dad said, I don't want you at my funeral or something yeah, like yeah. that, like really devastating. Um, and th those are the moments where you're like, yeah, and you're right. You're so right, Dave. Like you can see his love for these animals at the beginning. And then at the end, you, it's hard to find any love um, that he ha he has for these animals. Um <laughs> exploited in one very funny moment where <laughs> after Jeff Lowe takes over the, the, um, the zoo, they put some sort of like anchovy scent on his shoes. And he is that confirmed though? Is that confirmed? I, I, Did they add so. his shoe? But something <laughs> well, was on his shoes, right? To make the tigers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Something's on there. And the tigers go after his shoes. And oh my God, that scene is madness. It's so it's terrifying. It's yeah. fantastic. Exactly. It's terrifying, but also hilarious. And when you think about it, it's, it's so funny but i think and the reason you had the anchovy thing in your head jesse is because during that segment they cut to carol and she says something along the lines of i don't even know like he's accusing people of putting something on his shoe like i don't even know what you would well i guess if you wanted to put like anchovy paste like this extremely specific thing yes. carol's a psycho it's it was a bone chilling moment in that in that documentary that's such they a were good talking point. about it being the cologne he was wearing that day yeah. or something along yes. those lines and Jeff Lowe is laughing, saying, listen, 
we didn't put anything on his shoes. But if we wanted to get him killed, the last thing we would have done was sprayed his boots with cologne. And then, yeah, they cut yeah. to Carol and she's like, anchovy oil. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, got it. Done. Nailed it. <laughs> so I think we should sort of end on this idea of, so how do we feel about zoos now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, like this is this is crossing a, a moral line here. And, and we know that there are these public, uh, you know, presumably like government funded um, yeah. places in our world that house these animals and are much more than just tigers, you know, from elephants to lions and bears like, oh, my. But like, <laughs> well, how do how are we feeling about zoos at this moment? Yeah, I think in its simplest form. If there is a reason why an animal it cannot live on its own in the wild mm-hmm. and they need the support of human beings, that's okay. And if they cannot be released then back into the wild because mm-hmm. they've had that support, zoos in its current form, I would say probably not. But in that case, if an animal needs you know, is discovered in the wild with it's going to die, you know, and it needs right. to be rehabilitated by people. And then the option is because it's been rehabilitated by people, it now has to live live out the rest of its life with people or you don't interfere at all. And you, you let that animal die. Um, I would say, and this is, of course, my opinion, that why not why not help that animal why not save that animal what it looks like in practice obviously i don't know you have to you know you have to be humane you have to take care of the animal it has to it has to have a better life than it would have had otherwise or obviously Mm -hmm. than if it had passed away but then you know there's the argument that are we to interfere at all or are we to let nature take its take its place uh or 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 um you know go go on so it's a really complicated thing i think just short answer is you know i think about the bronx zoo and think about all like i've been to many zoos um sure i've enjoyed them but do yeah. we need them are they no right. are, like they're probably but, probably not the best <laughs> Well, you raise like, uh, you're, you're describing a pretty like optimal situation, Dave, wherein like if zoos are to exist at all, they should be like rehabilitation facilities for animals that are, um, endangered or that can't fend for themselves or for whatever reason, like are, are uh, need the protection hey, and Cor. like, yeah. Oh, did I cut out? Your, your mic was going in and out, but I think it's back now. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, we made it a really long time before the first mess up, guys. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Uh, not bad. Like, <laughs> the mic, so the mic is it. hot. The mic is hot. It's hot. <laughs> I might be able to cut that down a little bit so that's not completely unlistenable. But what I was, all I was going to say was that, um, like the, Dave, the situation you described where, uh, the only animals inside of a zoo would be ones that need care and support and custody, uh, and rehabilitation to get back into the wild. That sounds like an amazing scenario. But I think the moment that you would introduce monetization to that, if there is a dollar that can be made from an animal in a cage and more money and double the dollars to be made by, well, maybe this is an animal that doesn't exist on this continent. Maybe if we get a pregnant elephant in the zoo, then we can sell the birth of their child as the next thing. The moment that you introduce money into this thing, you incentivize uh, fraud. You incentivize people maybe lying about the condition of animals as they made their way into the zoo. And it's a difficult thing to say, but like zoos are zoos are tough zoos yeah. uh it's, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of the thing like when you think about vegetarianism there there's not a logical argument that can be made to say it's bad it's just whether or not you're willing to do that thing right zoos are bad and the more you think about it the more the concept of them kind of falls apart in that you're trying to weigh the good it does to humanity to see and learn more about these creatures with the uh, propagating breeding and putting animals in positions that are not natural to their species um so it's a tough thing to say but yeah zoos are zoos are bad yeah it's a tough one i i feel really torn on the matter i i agree with you dave that there's there's this element of if there is no other option then why not situation 
uh, I can't say that I won't struggle going to a zoo from this point right. forward, you know, and I also can't say that I'll never go again, but I do think I will, I will question it. Um, so and it should be said, um, shouts to the tiger homie at Bronx Zoo right now, who was yeah. uh, just diagnosed with the coronavirus. There is a sickly tiger in New York right now. And we're, uh, we love you and we're thinking about you, buddy. Poor dude. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> it's also I- rumored that Joe Exotic has coronavirus so you know maybe there is a i don't know <laughs> he might be let out soon i mean they're releasing prison populations right now like this is another concern for joe exotic right now <laughs> so true well dudes this is yeah awesome. and any other like final thoughts any uh like notable characters you wanted to give a shout out to dave or jesse i mean i got a I got to say, like James Gerritsen, who was the businessman that sort of yeah. Jeff Lowe was a notable uh-huh. character that we didn't get into much. But uh-huh. I don't think he deserves his own segment. But a uh, fascinating person as well. Strip club magnate in Oklahoma. Yeah, he was yeah. a lot of fun on screen. <laughs> um, I think overall, this, this show took us on a ride uh, and it was well worth the ticket. <laughs> How about yeah, you, Dave? Quick- Any, anything we didn't touch on? I got to give a quick shout out to Eric, the head zoo, the head, uh, head keeper. I think he was. Yeah, um, Eric Cowie. Yeah. In later interviews, I hope my man is doing okay because I'll tell so you too. what, he he was drinking heavily. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see bottles of Majorska or some type of vodka in the background. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. He fell asleep mid shoot at some point. Uh, yeah, Eric's having a tough so. time. So uh, good on him for making it through. Uh, and uh, I hope he's doing okay. Yeah. Um, best wishes. Best wishes. Some, some people think it's been too much time on. I, I feel like the most unnerving person of the entire show was Carol's husband. There was something deeply yeah. unsettling about Howard, Howard Baskin. Uh, just every time he was on screen, I, I had a really tough time. Uh, I want to shout out John Finlay, uh, second husband to Joe for filming most of his interviews shirtless it's a real flex and i admire that in him um (laughs) rick kirkham as the chain smoking producer of joe's uh failed reality tv show fascinating guy excellent voice that yeah the, the man has a look and a vibe and i dig it um let's see uh yeah i think that about wraps it up for us folks um I think if you haven't seen it yet you should google like who would be the best castings of these people in the yeah. uh in the movie because they've, be they've really fun. nailed a few so i would definitely recommend that google search if you've not done it already <laughs> and that's all that's it all right we want to thank dave for being here dave thank you so much buddy for taking the time and for recommending this thing to watch because i would not have done that otherwise and i really well, appreciated you putting that in my life man i appreciate that and thank you guys for having me this is awesome bud thank you and if they make a if they make that next episode you know we may just have to do a reprise so oh, absolutely yeah. you're oh, welcome man. to come back for as many times as you like dave as many times as you can plug the headphones in um <laughs> so folks we want to thank our guests that about wraps it up for this particular week the next time you hear from us it will likely be with our friend alexa doing our deep dive on the game animal crossing uh but we'll see you guys next time <laughs>